season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR podcast today we have Kane's baseball director of development and pro five academies assistant coach we got Cody Wheeler on the JKR podcast for the final episode of week one of the Kane's baseball series coach Wheeler pumped to get you on the show how are you doing today good man appreciate you having me hey of course all right so before we dig into you know your draft experience playing collegiate baseball to the point now to where you're at Pro 5 and Canes Baseball, I got one question I like to dig into with everybody I get on the J-Care podcast to start out, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Cody Wheeler? Uh, Cody Wheeler is just a small-town kid, man. Grew up in a small area, uh, played baseball at a small high school area. Didn't think uh, college baseball was real. To be honest, my dad always saw the bigger picture way more than I did. And um, he always pushed me to that. And then uh, as we'll kind of get into a little bit later throughout some more questions, you'll find out that uh, I got to relive a a pretty cool experience. Okay. So let's dig into, you know, obviously you mentioned Coastal Carolina there. So let's dig through, you know, maybe your your baseball background briefly and then dig into Coastal Carolina. So take us through, you know, maybe what that recruiting process kind of looked like. Like we said before we started recording, you know, I'm sure it was a lot different back there in the, the late 2000s compared to what it is nowadays. So just kind of take us through, you know, that recruiting process and kind of what landed you there at Coastal Carolina. Yeah, so it was funny. Um, I was actually playing for the Mid-Atlantic Red Sox at the time, um, a pretty good group up out of, based out of Maryland. And uh, my dad and Jeff Petty had – they were friends for, for quite a while before I ever knew Jeff. Um, and Jeff had just kind of started his deal. He was in his first year, and I'd kind of hopped over to, to Jeff's team um, that first year he did it. And I remember I just kind of honestly, it was pure luck, to be honest. Um, I was my family. I think we had back to back weekends. One was at ECU and the next one was at Coastal. And my parents were like, listen, like we can't financially do both. Like you need to pick one. It doesn't matter to us. Like pick one and and we'll go to one and we just won't go to the other. Um, So I picked um, I picked ECU and I ended up getting sick that weekend and we didn't go. And so the very next weekend was the coastal weekend. And so they were like, all right, well, since we didn't go to ECU, we can go to coastal. And we went down there, um, you know, played the weekend and um, they talked to me that weekend and basically offered me that weekend. Um, And they were like, listen, like, we'll give you some time. We'll give you a couple of days. We'll bring you back down here for an official. um, And then we'll kind of like solidify on paper, you know, how that is. And that was the, that was the summer of my junior year. Um, and I was early, that was yeah. early to commit back then, you know, most guys didn't commit until like their senior playing year. Um, so I remember going into my senior year and being committed my entire senior year of high school, which is now is just like, that's unheard of. Um, you know, the transfer portal and all that stuff, it, it's been getting wild, but yeah, so it's kind of really just happenstance to be honest. Yeah. So you end up going to Coastal Carolina, playing a couple years there. I believe it was, what, like 2008, 2009, somewhere around there. Take us through those couple years, you know, in Myrtle Beach, playing for Coastal Carolina. 
And, you know, maybe when you start to get some draft buzz around your name to where you end up being drafted, you know, in that 2009 draft. Um, so, yeah, I started off at Coastal. I started out in the bullpen my freshman year. Um, was kind of just like I was always a guy that just I was never like a verbal, a vocal guy. I was always just kind of head down, do your work, kind of be invisible a little bit. Um, and I started out in the bullpen, ended up working my way to to a midweek role about halfway through the season um, and kind of solidified that spot. Um, and at Coastal, you know, at, back then they were in the Big South. So did we to build up our strength of schedule, like we played, we played some donkeys midweek. You know, we played UVA, North Carolina. You know, we played some big names in the midweek to strengthen our schedule. Just because back then the Big South wasn't super, super competitive as far as in the eyes of, of the committee. So for us to get in that large bid, we need to we need to play some ACC competition, you know, during the midweek. Um, so I ended up kind of excelling there a little bit and working my way into a, a Sunday starter by the end of my freshman year. Um, kind of continued to excel a little bit, um, head down, you know, work my butt off. Don't, you know, don't raise any red flags. Don't ruffle any feathers. Just kind of do as you're told and, and, and continue to get to work. And you know, by the time we get to my junior year, probably somewhere in between my sophomore summer and um, playing for Team USA in that, that summer. Um, and then moving into my junior year, the, the draft buzz kind of started to be like more of a real thing. You know, I thought that it was going to happen for sure. But, you know, you don't really know where to put your finger as far as, you know, what round or, you know, what, what that's going to be like. Um, and then I remember my draft stock kind of falling a little bit. Um, my junior year, I came in, we had our pro day. My velo was a little down. You know, I was kind of a little worn out from the summer, um, stuff like that. So. Ended up taking in the fifth round by the Diamondbacks in 2010. Um, and then, um, yeah, had a pro career from there. Okay. So you mentioned Team USA there. Anytime I get someone who got the opportunity to play for Team USA, I always like to bring that up. So kind of take us through, you know, what that was like, you know, putting that USA across your chest, getting the chance to represent your country. What was that experience like? It was, honestly, it was like, it was really surreal. Um, and, and made it surreal obviously like having the usa on the front like that put it in a league of its own already but we went to um i think it was a wbc off off year so we didn't actually have like a wbc sanctioned event so we went to tokyo and played them in a five-game series and going over there and playing the japanese national team it was completely eye-opening it, it is a different brand of baseball um the culture over there was amazing, but the respect that they have for the game really like opened up my eyes. I mean, talking about like before the game starts, the umpires walk in from center field and both teams line up from on both sides of the mound, from the mound to home plate. And as the umpires are walking through, like you bow to the umpires and after the games are over, like you bow to the fans and like, it's a super respect thing. And I, I loved it. I thought it was awesome. You know, something that I'd never experienced before. Um, being with the talent level that we had, um, I kind of felt like I had a place. I was kind of like the, the, the small kid on the block, which um, really honestly helped me excel everywhere I went. You know, I was always undersized. Um, obviously, being left-handed was a big deal, helping me out a lot, trying to get to the places that I, that I went. But always undersized. But, I mean, I'll just put into perspective, you know, the league that I was in. So I was a part of the five starting rotation. So it was me, 
Trevor Bauer, Garrett Cole, Drew Pomerantz, Sonny Gray. That was that was the six of us, or the five of us in the starting rotation. You know, all four of those guys made it to the big leagues and had pretty good big league careers. Um, some of them kind of fizzled out a little bit, but a couple of them are, you know, talking about primetime guys, like aces on, on big league staff. So to feel like I was a little out of place, it kind of felt good, but also at the same time to be considered and to be put into that five also felt good at the same time. Yeah. So going to Tokyo, you know, seeing the points where, you know, you're bowing to the umpires before the game, bowing to the fans afterwards. When you get back here to the United States, did you kind of have maybe a different mindset when it came to, you know, playing ball um, here in the United States and just playing affiliated baseball? Yeah. I mean, when I came back in, in college, I really feel like it helped to try to like bring some solidarity to the guys a little bit to make it a little bit more like, like a religion, like it was to them, you know, um, it really was like, it, it felt like it's something that they lived by. And I feel like when you get to that certain level where you start to understand that there is a next level for you talking, speaking professionally, um, you start to get away from that team mindset a little bit. And honestly, two of the three years there, I was there my sophomore and my junior year like we had an unbelievable team, unbelievable. They were top to bottom. We were really, really good. And I feel like that solidarity and bringing us together as a team, like we're only as good as our weakest link is what helped us go as far as we did. Um, and at the time, going to the suits, uh, for the second time in school history, the first time was my freshman year. Um, so that was, uh, it was something really cool to be a part of. Yeah. So you said you ended up getting drafted by the Arizona Diamondbacks 2010. I believe you said round five. So take us through, you know, those couple of years you got the chance to, you know, play professional baseball. I know you ended up going on to the Orioles organization as well, I believe. Um, so just take us through, you know, those couple of years playing professional baseball, just some of those cool experiences you had and what that was like, you know, you actually getting paid to, you know, play the game you love. Right. Um, so, yeah, like you said, fifth round Diamondbacks. Um, I, I Because we had gone so late into the playoff um, and the rookie ball had already started. So I asked for a couple of weeks off and, you know, I get shipped out to Washington State um, to play in Yakima, Washington, and they're no longer affiliated with the Diamondbacks anymore. But um, actually, a bunch of the, the places that I played for the Diamondbacks aren't affiliated with them anymore. But um, so I get there, and it's about two weeks into the season. And I just remember that being one of the places where they only had host families. There was no, you know, like group, you know, apartment situation or, or whatever. So um, they didn't have any host families left. And so I kind of, uh, a family had kind of, you know, stuck their neck out for me and said, you know, we'll take them in. And um, it was a great experience. Um, but kind of just going from, you know, to where you're in a group setting to college baseball where it's kind of the all for one type of deal. And then you kind of get to pro ball a little bit and the mindset switches. Um, it's definitely a little bit of a culture shock because it's like, you know, we could lose 10 games in a row, but, you know, I'm pitching well, I, I get a chance to move up type of deal so it was a little a little different experience as far as what I was accustomed to you know making that transition from high school to college and then to professional baseball so go, so going through you know the college for a couple of years going through professional baseball as well you know during your playing career we want to ask question about that then we'll transition to your coaching career as well but if you could think of maybe just you know two to three just favorite memories or just favorite things that come to mind when you're thinking of your collegiate career thinking about your professional career as well 
what 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 a couple of those you know just key stories key memories be looking back into you know that collegiate and professional baseball career um definitely the one that sticks out for uh the collegiate would be um it was my sophomore year um i was still kind of a kind of a midweek slash weekend starter um and we went to Hawaii for a four-game set. That was kind of our big trip of the year. So we went to Hawaii, went there for seven days, um, got a couple of practices in, but they didn't want to. They didn't want to switch up the weekend rotation and bump guys up a day, so they slid me to game one. Um, I ended up throwing. I threw a complete game, no hitter, and in Hawaii, the fans were amazing. Uh, um, you know, it was it was to that point to where like the sixth, seventh inning, you know, comes along. It's starting to become real a little bit. And the fans, great baseball fans, and they're understanding what's going on. And by the eighth inning, like, they were cheering for me. Um, and so it was that was a really cool experience as far as college goes. Um, professionally, I would have to say um, just getting a chance to get to double A with the Diamondbacks, even though I made the play with – with the Orioles um double a with the Diamondbacks was the closest I felt to the big leagues and just pitching there um and with the group that we had and it kind of starts to once you get to that double a triple a mark you start to get back to that team mentality a little bit you know guys are one step away from from getting to the big leagues and you know you're one injury away you know a couple good games away and the, and the team aspect kind of came back and that team that we had when I was in double a was a really good group of guys. And that year I spent in double A was probably one of my best memories. All right. So, you know, your, your, your uh, playing career kind of comes to an end. What is it? 2015, 2016. I remember looking it up earlier, but it was around that mid mid of the 2010s. Um, so yeah, kind of like when, when in your mind is that kind of motivation come into play of, you know, maybe after my playing career, you know, I want to go coach an organization, coach somewhere, kind of take us through that motivation and then how that transition kind of played out of getting your first, you know, coaching job um, as well. So I, I was always, I always prided myself on, on being good at the really little things. Um, like I said, you know, going through my whole career, you know, at college, I, I was probably an upper velo guy for back then, you know, around my freshman and sophomore year, you know, getting it up to 94, 95 sometimes. Um, but as I kind of got older, I understood that, you know, velo isn't everything. You know, it, we need to we need to be able to locate. We need to be able to mix up and change speeds and be able to locate in any count. Um, but I was always undersized, and so I prided myself on being, you know, good at fielding my position, holding runners on, um, reading swings, understanding finding holes in batter swings just by you know them taking a pitch and trying to figure out how to get guys out and how to get myself to a pitch where I knew I could get them out. Um, so I really prided myself kind of on the cat and mouse game, like that was what was able to allow me to excel as much as I did. And that's also kind of what wanted to, I wanted to get into coaching to get guys to understand that it's more, it's more than just training to throw hard. It's learning how to throw a pitch and you see a result, whether the batter fouls it off, whether he takes it, but there's information to be had, you know, there's always a next step based off the information that you're given. And so there's more than one ways to skin a cat. I like to say, you know, and it's understanding how can I set this guy up? to get to where I need to go. I know he has a hole here, but there's no point in me attacking it early. I need to make sure I can set him up so that I can go there when I need to. So understanding how to do that stuff in my playing career really 
I really wanted to learn how to pass that information along to the next generation. And so I always wanted coaching after, after college was done. And um, that's kind of where that relationship kind of got rebuilt um, playing for Jeff and his very first team. And, you know, I reached out to him and asked, you know, Hey, you got anything I can do around the office type of deal, you know, just a little bit of extra money till you know, I kind of get my feet on the ground, finish school and stuff like that. And um, I ended up coaching for his 16 year national team about a year after I had been done playing. And um, it was a great experience. It was really nice to work with some upper level guys some division one commits who are going to play division one baseball and really kind of be able to open up all the knowledge that I had to, to pass on to them. Okay. So that first summer where you're coaching for the Canes national 16 U team kind of take us through maybe the toughest transition of going from a player to a coach, you know, you're no longer a ball player. You're actually no on this, on the, in the dugout, you know, interacting with some of these players kind of showing them the ropes. Um, was there maybe a couple couple tough transition that kind of came with that transitioning from a player to a coach? Um, yeah, I think it was one of the biggest things was just, you know, being in a summer ball arena, you know, and understanding the, the area that it is. You know, these kids come in and, and if it's a big tournament, you have them for five days. If it's a small tournament, you have them for two and a half, you know, and just understanding how to give them the most without trying to overload them in such a short period of time. Um, you know, you've got guys that are probably most likely going to throw once, if not twice over a weekend span and trying to find one or two things to really help them, one, relax and be able to execute and compete, but two, also find that one little thing that can make the biggest difference in their performance. So as you're starting out, you know, you're coaching that 16U team back in what, 2017, 2018 or so, you know, four or five years down the road to where we're at now, kind of take us through, you know, how those job duties or, you know, what exactly you're doing for the Canes has evolved from a 16U coach to now to where you're also a coach, but also the director of development for the Canes baseball program. You know, how do those job duties kind of evolve here these past four or five years? Um, yeah, I mean, so really going back, you know, I did that uh, 16U national job for two years. Um, and then as we kind of started to grow a little bit, I think Dan and Jeff and I realized that, you know, I was a pretty good instructor and that, you know, I could relate to the kids a little bit. You know, I was, I'm a little bit younger than they are, so I'm a little closer to the, the playing generation. Um, there still is a little gap between me and like the technology era, really, to where it's boomed now. Um, so that's definitely been a learning curve of mine trying to really get, you know, ingrained with all that stuff, Rapsodo, Blast Motion, Hit Tracks, you know, all that stuff in, in terms of the measurables. Um, so, yeah, about I think it was three years after starting with them, um, I got the, the title of Director of Player Development. Um, and we really started to try to expand for our regional programs the ability to give them to have an all in one system that they could do from anywhere. Um, you know, you're talking about the guy who has the ability to go across the street or 10 minutes down the road and he's got a nice facility to work in or the kid who's got, you know, a couple barbell weights and a medicine ball in his garage. And that's all he's got access to. Um, so we're really talking about a wide range of kid, you know, from whether it's just general access or if it's a financial thing. Um, so we really wanted to start to give these kids more windows and avenues to excel on their own. And that's kind of always been our motto with the Canes is we're putting a lot on the player. I'm here to give you doors to open and I'm here to help, you know, facilitate things, but it's got to be on you. You've got to want to put in the work and I'll help guide you and I'll give you every step of the way of what we need to do. And this is how we need to do it. 
but at the end of the day, I can't hold your hand to do it. You've got to want, you got to have that internal motivation to do it yourself. So I think that's, that's part of the reason why we excel as much as we do is because we have guys that are driven on the inside and we bring you in, we give you all these doors to walk through and it's up to you whether you want to walk through them or not. And so I think that's, that's part of the, the, the deal where, you know, in our regional program, we have a little over 350 players. So for me to sit there and, and handhold, you know, 350 players, you know, I would 24, seven, 365, I would be trying to deal with that. So the guys that are serious about it, you know, we have conversations and, you know, that's part of my job description is to, to, to guide these guys and help them through the measurables that we offer. So, you know, as you're beginning those, let's throw it back here to those couple of beginning years of your coaching career. Uh, when you came into the game, you know, obviously you said you need to learn that technology when it came to rap soto, blast motion, all those different types of things. Uh, but when you kind of came into coaching, did for the most part, were you using the knowledge you gained, you know, as a ball player, or were there maybe a couple other things that you maybe needed to learn to help coach, to help guide these guys? Uh, maybe what were some other things you had to do to expand your knowledge as you were kind of get you know, started into this coaching career? I think probably the biggest thing that I had to understand was I had, you have to be able to find ways to relate to the kid. You know, you got a kid from, you know, the mountains of Virginia, and then you got a kid who's from, you know, New York city. Like you have to talk to those kids differently and you got to find out what verbiage works for them. And I could be saying the exact same thing, but I might have to find a different way about saying it. And that was kind of the biggest thing that I tried to evolve in my in my coaching ability, because I feel like I have picked up enough along the way and learned enough from other people to where I have the knowledge. Um, but it's understanding how to portray that knowledge to them so that they can grasp it, retain it, and then use it. Um, so that was probably one of the biggest things that I, and I still, you know, I'm, I continue to, you know, ask guys around me who've been around the game a lot longer than me, like, Hey, listen, here's what I'm seeing. This is this, this is that. How would you say that to him? You know what I'm saying? Like, in because I could be saying it four or five different ways, but I'm using one word incorrectly to that kid. I'm not misusing the word, but it's not clicking with him just because I need to say it a little bit different or I need to I need to use a little bit different phrase. So that's part of the, probably one of the biggest things that I try to key on. It's understanding what makes each kid click and understanding how I need to talk to him. Is he a kid that I can get on a little bit and I can jump down his throat and he responds? Or is he a kid that I need to maintain and kind of just pat on the shoulder, help him along a little bit because he maybe he feels a little bit less confident on the inside? All right, so you, know, you talked about how your job how your job duties kind of evolved through these past couple of years to where you're at now. But, you know, let's, let's dig through the summertime. So, you know, your Pro 5 season has come to an end. You're back with the Canes for the summer. You know, take us through, you know, maybe what that, what that game, what that, um, how am I going to word this? What does, what does that game day routine kind of look like for you in terms of, you know, going, interacting with some of your players? Um, you are, the, uh, like, we said, like we said, you are the director of development. So kind of take us through, you know, what that summer kind of looks like for you. So most of the time for the summer, I will either I'll hop on the road every now and then with a, with a national team. You know, they got a big event. Maybe they're down a coach um, and I'll hop on the road with them and go work with those upper level guys. Um, but for the most part, my sector is the North region. So basically just Virginia. And that that involves, you know, players from Virginia, Maryland, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey. Um, and then we also have a central and a south director. So they kind of roam their areas a little bit as I roam the north. 
And that's where I kind of help our college recruiting guy. I'm the middleman to that so that I can help him say, okay, look, this guy's made some jumps. He's made some good improvements here. This was probably out of reach last year, but now we're starting to get into that realm where this is a place that he can go play and compete. Um, and then also just kind of being in the dugout, being around the guys, you know, those regional programs and just kind of mixing it up with them a little bit, kind of putting a face to a name, getting to know them a little bit. Um, and that way that also helps me during the off season too, when we retain those guys from a summer fall off season into the following summer, um, it really helps kind of figure out what they need to be working on mostly throughout the, the winter time when it's time to get bigger, faster, stronger. Okay. So you know, as you're focusing on that North, you said there also is a central and a South director as well. Are you maybe playing hand in hand with them, maybe picking their brains as well? Um, what type of relationship do you three have amongst each other as you guys are kind of focusing on, you know, different areas of the Canes regional teams? Well, it's actually really nice. Um, our other, um, our central director is a coordinator for the pro five North Carolina group. Um, our South director is the pitching coach or the assistant coach for the 16U national team now. So it's really nice to kind of just bounce things off them. And, and we're constantly in conversation throughout the summertime, just about different things we pick up, some things we've seen. Um, you know, I think probably one of the biggest things, our biggest plus side at Canes is that it's not like our way or the highway in terms of our coaching style. You know, we're always trying to pick up new things. Like we see another organization doing something. Oh, we like that. Let's do that. That works. That's really good. You know, and so we're always picking and choosing and modifying things. And, you know, I wouldn't say we're, we're complacent at all. We, uh, you know, we have a routine and it works, but we're never just dead set on it. We're always trying to find new things, new ways to do things to, to get the most out of our guys in a very short period of time. Yeah. All right. So let's dig a little bit into actually the player development side of things with you being the director of player development and, you know, your pitching background as well. Are you mainly focusing on the pitching side of things or do you kind of, you know, do both when it comes to you know, position players, hitters and pitchers as well? Um, I do all of them, really. I, I, I don't um, in terms of like the high school level, I would still call myself proficient in terms of hitting and fielding, um, just being around the game at the high level and watching really good guys work and understand um, allowed me to be able to pass on that knowledge. Um, obviously being left-handed, you know, me physically showing you might be out of the realm. Um, I can show you, it's just going to look wrong just because I'm opposite handed, but um, just being around, being around so many high level guys who had such a love and a passion for their craft allows me to be able to evaluate these guys and help them move forward. Um, I don't think it's something to where, you know, I pass off the hitting stuff too much. Now I will definitely do it if, if a kid is – I feel like he's, he's reached, you know, what I'm capable of or what I'm comfortable of. Um, I'm not going to sit there and continue to try to work with that guy if he's a little bit elevated, and I'll pass him along to, to one of our other hitting guys for sure. Um, and as far as the pitching goes, even then, you know, I'll bring in other eyes to watch. Um, I'm not a guy who's going to be like, listen, you know, I know it all. I don't need any help. Uh, I'm going to bring in eyes if, you know – I see one thing and it could be a deficiency, but there also could be two more other things that are causing that, that I'm just so hyper-focused on this one thing that I'm just missing it. And it happens, um, you know, and you get stuck on it. And so I don't, I definitely don't mind bringing in other eyes on the pitching side as well. 
Yeah. So on, on the pitching side of things here, you know, as you're, you're working with, you know, 15, 16 year old, you know, kind of what is that, you know, that main, you know, point points of emphasis when it comes to you, maybe you're going through a bullpen with some of these guys or just watching them go through the windup, going through a bullpen. You know, what are some of those points of emphasis, maybe some different things that you're pointing out depend on, you know, how the situation's going kind of take us through that a little bit. So I'd probably say probably one of the biggest deficiencies is just lack of balance, balance and timing. Um, a lot of kids struggle with command because their arms are in bad positions and their arms are in bad positions because they don't have patience in their lower body. And now a lot of times when I say patience, kids think I need to go slower. That's not the case. You can work very fast and still have patience because you have to have a good base underneath of you to help your big, bigger muscles move your arm. And that's just the name of the game. We have a very limited amount of time where we can use arm speed. And a lot of kids get to a position to where they have to use their arm speed early just to play catch up and get back to level and not on top of the baseball. Um, and then, you know, you're talking about arm issues, elbow, shoulder issues, lower back issues. Um, and those quickly follow for guys who, who don't make adjustments uh, for that. So when it comes so when it comes to your involvement, you know, actually, you know, during a bullpen or, you know, working with your pitchers, potentially working with some of your position players on occasion as well. You know, how does that evolve involvement change from when you're working with Kane's baseball players to, you know, now you are the assistant coach of the Pro 5 Academy that started this past year? You know, is that does that involvement kind of change when it comes to a different practice or certain players? Um, and this is kind of where we're going to transition to Pro 5 here. Uh, but what, like what is that involvement when it comes to being the actual assistant coach for Pro 5 compared to, you know, being the overall director of development for the Canes, Canes uh, North region as well. Is there like a sort of an involvement change there and a mindset uh, change? Um, a little bit. And I think it's basically just time and place. You know, I've got a kid in the summer for the Canes and, you know, there may be a bunch of things that, that I'm seeing that we need to, to work on, but there's no sense in trying to overhaul the kid in the middle of a summer season when he's trying to compete. You know, so I'm going to be very finite with what I'm saying, and I'm going to try to give him the smallest amount of adjustments that's going to give him the biggest amount of positive success. So I'm not going to put too much in his head because I don't want him thinking on the mound, okay, this is where this needs to be. I need to be working on this. I need to do this because it's not going to – nothing good's going to come of that. Um, we kind of flip to pro five a little bit, and I've got these guys every single day, you know, at least five days a week for a couple hours. And so that's when – when we're talking about from August up until now, about two weeks ago when we started the season, you know, we have a chance to, to, to rewrite some things, to, to really kind of ground up build. And, you know, now we're kind of in the maintenance portion to where I'm kind of back to a summer mode. Hey, listen, I'm giving you one or two keys here. We need to make sure these are good and we work with what we got. Um, but definitely a little bit of a different mindset to where, you know, I'm being a little bit more nitpicky with these pro five guys just because I do have them every day. So I get to see them do catch play. I get to see how they move for, for PFPs. I get to see their bullpens every single day or every time they're on a bullpen throwing a mound or live. And we get to have that ongoing conversation as to where, you know, I might have to get a report from a coach from the Canes in the summer about how this guy's, how this guy's outing went or, or how he looked up the middle or what we worked on. Did it translate? So there's a lot of telephone game in the summer as to where I've got more eyes on, you know, for these pro five guys.
Okay. So to where you're at now as the assistant coach of Pro 5, you know, you got Anthony Burke is also with the Canes organization. Jeff Petty, you know, who's – a lot of you guys, you know, are involved with Canes baseball, but also Pro 5. So where does this come about? You know, when does Jeff, you know, maybe bring you in and be like, hey, I want to you know, maybe bring, bring you in as an assistant coach here with Pro 5. Kind of take us through, you know, when you kind of knew you'd be involved with this Pro 5 Academy there in Virginia and, you know, how this is, um, came, came up over time these past, you know, six months or so. Yeah, so, I mean, we had honestly thrown this around a lot over the past probably three or four years, and we just didn't have the right bodies with the right amount of time. Um, it, it, it's a full-time gig. You know, we're with them, talking about playing 40-some games in the spring, playing about another 13 or 15 in the fall for scrimmages, uh, practices five days a week in the morning. Um, you know, you can't get a guy who, who is a school teacher like you can for the summer to be a summer coach when he's off. So it really, um, you know, bringing Anthony in and having him from coming from a college coaching job and having him freed up to really spearhead this thing was kind of really what got it going. Um, he's an amazing recruiter and he's a great coach. Um, we see guy on a lot of things just because he both he has a pitching background as well, and we kind of really mesh well in that regard. So that's been a nice smooth transition as far as, far as trying to make sure that we're on cue with that. Um, because it is, we, we do treat these guys like college players. Um, how we go about practice is a college style. Um, so it, it's, it's definitely refreshing to get back into that to where we're starting to teach that upper level stuff. Um, and I think probably the biggest, the biggest thing is that we are all very, very like-minded about how we should go about teaching the game. Um, it's about creating men, not necessarily just great athletes. Obviously, we want to make them bigger, faster, stronger, but making them better people is, is where we all pride ourselves on. And then the baseball player follows. That comes shortly after, you know, but creating good teammates, knowing how to pick guys up, having the right mentality and mindset, you know, all of those things to where, you know, everybody who's been in this game long enough knows that even if you're a great player, you're going to fail a lot and learning how to deal with those things. And I think that's where we key in a lot on our practices is understanding and putting them in situations where they're going to fail and getting them to learn how to deal with it, process it, learn from it, and move on. So there at Pro 5, when you have your guys, like you said, you know, five, six days a week, you're constantly around them. You know, what are some of those relationships you're building, you know, with those Pro 5 guys that you're around all the time? I think the biggest thing is, is that in my opinion, and there is some, there's definitely, some kickback especially from the, the the 16 the 17 the 18 year old kid right now is that for the first two weeks that they were here I didn't say much it was purely intake for me just watching how their bodies moved how they worked getting to understand them a little bit how they how they talk to each other you know and and, and that's a, there's a lot of information to be had there in my opinion and not just coming in and say okay like well, we're gonna do this we're gonna do that we're gonna fix this we're gonna do that and a lot of just letting them do what they normally do, understanding, trying to understand who they are as a pitcher, as a player, as a person, and then making adjustments from there and building a plan moving forward. So I, I think a lot of the times that we, kids get it like, oh, well, he's not like really working with me. You know, he's not really doing anything, you know, and it's not the case. I want to learn you. I don't want to sit here and bring you in and say, all right, let's just trash everything you're doing. Here we go. Right. I don't want to give you that. Right. I want you to have ownership in what you're doing. And by allowing myself to learn you for a week or two, watch you throw, watch you move, see how your body works, 
I can create a plan now that gives you step one, two, and three, instead of just coming at you right now with step one. Okay. So being involved there since the beginning of this pro five Academy, like you said, those first couple of weeks was purely intake for you. Just kind of see how these ballplayers go about their business. You know, what kind of went into this initial roster construction? I know you said coach Burke, you know, great recruiter there, but what went into this initial roster construction and how that, um, you know, has evolved over time is like, I guess just take us through overall, just take us through the whole process of this roster construction to where you guys are at now, you know, six months into pro five Academy. Well, I think we were we were in a different position uh, being at, you know, our first year and we wanted to make sure we knew we wanted to have a big schedule. But you can't have a big schedule unless you have the arms to cover it, you know, um, so we knew we wanted at least 11 arms. And I think we ended up with 12. Um, and we have a we have a wide variety of guys, um, really. We have guys that are that are going to compete at, for a very long time. And then we have some guys that came in and, and were still uncommitted and, you know, needed to make some jumps and have made tremendous jumps. Um, we have one kid, I think he put on 30 pounds over the, the off season. Um, and now he's starting to build a frame and he's being more consistent because now he has a body that can sustain itself. Um, so really, as far as the recruiting process goes, we just wanted some guys who had the drive to be at the next level. Yeah. So you mentioned that you guys have a big schedule. I know you guys are playing in the fall, playing in the spring as well. Kind of take us through, you know, what that high school academy baseball team schedule looks like for you guys. And is that, you know, generally what an academy schedule looks like? Take us through that schedule and kind of, you know, how you guys, you know, go from beginning it in the fall all the way to where you guys are at now in this spring season. Take us through that a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. So we, we scheduled about, I think we scheduled about 10 games in the fall. Um, we had quite a bit of inner squad before that started, um, but really, it's really tough to to emulate that live, live feel, different jersey in the box, umpire behind the plate type of thing, to where you put the pressure on. The pressure's real now. You know, you can kind of calm it down with, with being in a, in a controlled situation in practice and, and doing inner squads and stuff like that, but you really only learn the main, main emphasis points from live competition especially on the pitching side and even on the hitting side as well. I think it goes vice versa there. Um, so we, we do that. We want to get the guys as much live competition as possible. Um, and then we kind of go into the off season. We have a nice layer to build from. We know what we need to work on in terms of body deficiencies. Um, our strength coach, Maddie, she's fantastic. She's really helped these kids a lot. Um, they buy in. They love her. She, she busts their butts, man. She kills them. And I love it. And a lot of them have gained from it too. Um, and then we kind of transition back to it. We're, we're getting them back in January and, you know, we're in the facility, it's cold up here. You know, we're trying to get as much as we can done as much as we can do inside the facility, you know, getting the guys back on the bump where we transition into live hitters. Um, and it's really about just trying to get our guys in the best possible situation to try to handle that schedule. So where you guys are at now, you know, in this spring season, like we talked about before we started recording, heading down to Hoover this upcoming weekend, you said 12 hour bus ride tomorrow down to Hoover. Take us through, you know, where you guys are at in this spring season, because you guys, you know, have already played a couple games before, before in this spring, correct? Um, and just take us through, you know, what the, what I guess what the Hoover previews kind of looking like, maybe some teams you guys are playing, uh, just take us through, you know, what the, where you guys are at now in this spring schedule and what this weekend and even these next couple of weeks look like leading up into the summer. Yeah. So, I mean, we actually, as a team, we didn't, we weren't 
able, just because of the weather was kind of crappy up here, we just weren't able to really get on the field. So our first couple weekends, we went out, we went out to Florida for, for six days and played um, a three down there. Um, and we got our butts handed to us a couple of times and we needed it. Um, but it's really, we're trying to play catch up a little bit with just getting these guys on the field, getting them used to the field again. And we're starting to pick up, we're starting to catch our stride a little bit. We're starting to see some positive, some positive moves forward. Um, and then we're heading down to Hoover. Obviously this is kind of our first real test to say, okay, listen, like we're playing for a championship here. Obviously we're trying to win every single game we go out and play, but we've been kind of using leading up to this point as our spring training. Um, to try to build our arms up, to get them in position to compete for four and five innings, um, you know, and just kind of let these position players know, like, hey, listen, this is what playing three games with two days off and then playing another three games is going to feel like and trying to get their bodies used to that. All right. So I got a couple more questions here for you. Let's dig away from Pro 5 here real quick. One thing I didn't have written down in that paper I sent you earlier this week, something that just came to my mind. Obviously, with you being a pitcher, I know, you know, arm care is, you know, super, super – I'm not going to say beneficial, Um, you know, super important when it comes to today's game. You know, obviously pitchers are thrown all the way throughout the summer. They're throwing in the spring, a bunch of fall tournaments as well. Kind of take us through, you know, your your mindset on the importance of arm care, you know, from that deload, um, from that deload in the fall to the ramp up in the spring, leading up to the spring season. And then even in season as well, what you believe arm care should look like. Take us through, you know, just your mindset, you know, on arm care in general. So I think arm care needs to be a moldable thing. I, I think it needs to be, you need to have two or three different programs, in, in my opinion. I mean, that can transition from, okay, I'm in the fall, I'm pitching one inning in inner squads every time I go out, right? My arm care can be a little bit heavier. It can be a little bit more, okay, let's, let's tax a little bit. And then we kind of transition into where we're starting to get live again. Um, it's, it's an as-needed situation. Now, arm care is a must always, right? And that's not what I mean by that. But understanding that, you know, I just went and pitched five innings and threw 70 pitches, you know, my arm care needs to be maybe not as much if I only threw one inning and threw 12 pitches, you know, so arm care is a way to one, continue to build endurance, but also keep the strength in your forearm, elbow, shoulder, and keep those things hot so that you can continue to compete every third day, every fourth day, because with a schedule like this that we have, you know, it's not the typical, like, I'm going to pitch once a week, and then I'm going to have five days, six days of rest before I've got to pitch again. You know, some of the guys that we've started to, you know, mold to the bullpen, they're going to throw two times in three days, have two days off, and then do it again. So it's, and I think that's probably one of the most beneficial things that we can offer these kids is learning how to save your bullets, understand when it's time to get after it, and when it's time to take it as easy as I possibly can. So from when you were playing pro ball, have you seen an emphasis change from arm care to where it's at now? Um, is there like been an evolution in that in that sort of things? What does it kind of look like back from, you know, early 2010s to where it's at now, you know, 10, 10, uh, 10 years later or so? Yeah, I think arm care is, is taken off huge from, from that time period till now. Um, I, I love that it has. Um, going back to, you know, when I played, you know, somebody told me to go get in the bullpen, you know, it was a couple – quick bands and then, you know, get up and go. And I think now it's really evolved into targeting different areas of the, of the back, the scap, you know, the shoulder, but also different workloads, you know, and I want to say my junior year um, crossover symmetry became a thing. Right. And that's really evolved into be a mainstay in, in arm care now. 
And so some of the things just weren't, weren't around, you know, uh, basically the technology, the recovery, all that stuff was really developing as I was kind of leaving college and coming into the pro ranks. The one, the one thing that I will say as far as, you know, coming from a high school guy who wants to compete at the next level and be a dependable guy at the next level is just understanding that you need to have a couple different programs. Um, I pride myself on getting the players to understand that your program is your home. Like it's your safe place. When you get to do these things, you should feel comfortable. When you feel comfortable, you should feel confident. And when you're confident, you can execute. But there is not always a time where you have 30 minutes to do a routine, right? So you need to have a couple different routines and say, okay, what's the bare minimum that I need to do to get ready? And trust that by doing that, you are ready. Um, that's kind of one of the biggest things that I've had to try to teach these kids in this year one is that, you know, you're not a starter anymore, right? You may be a starter this week, but eight days from now, you may be in the pen in the fourth inning. So understanding that you don't have 30 minutes to do a full weighted ball routine with Jaeger bands and shoulder tube and stuff like that, you need to find the bare minimum that gets you there so that you can be ready to go. Okay. So with pro five, you know, as the spring of year one, you know, it's just starting to get rolling. You guys have a couple months left in this spring schedule, you know, looking into 2023 in its entirety pro five, Canes baseball as well. Just what are some of those expectations, some of those goals you have, you know, leading into these next, you know, nine, 10 months or so of 2023? My only thing, and I say this over and over and over again, and I give quite a lot of lessons to local areas, to various talent levels. And the, the one thing that I always pride myself on and the one thing that I want any kid to take away, if I don't gain you one mile an hour, I don't gain you one pitch or I don't one pitch doesn't make you better. If I can get you to understand yourself better, I can sleep at night. If I can make you leave, leave that night, leave that lesson, leave that season, leave that outing and you understand yourself and how you work a little bit better, I could live with myself. All right. So taking that, I guess, a little bit further, you know, as you continue on with your your coaching career with Pro 5, with Canes Baseball coaching, you know, with Coach Petty, Coach Burke, all these different guys, you know, what are some of what's this vision you have for the next, you know, three, four, five years down the road? Um, just kind of take us through, you know, as you continue on with your coaching career, um, you know, you're wanting to continuously sleep at night, you know, to continuously help these ball players, But just, you know, what is that vision that you have, you know, three, four, five years down the road with Pro 5 with Canes Baseball? Um, yeah, I mean, with with Canes baseball, I think just continuing to to develop our guys and continue to get them landed in places. I mean, that's our job is to get them to the next level, depend no matter what level that is, junior college to division one and continue to boost those numbers. Um, and as pro five goes, um, obviously build our ranks in, in, into 40 players um, and just get more of a competition feel to where, you know, we've got guys pushing you like you, you got to continue to peak compete to hold your job and I think that's that's super healthy that's something that you're going to feel at the next level no matter where you go there's going to be enough arms to push you and if you're not competing and you're not getting the job done there's somebody who's going to be pushing right right on your heels to take your job and so I think that's that's a super healthy thing for for a high school kid to learn and that way it's not a huge culture shock when he goes to the next level 
Okay. All right. So down to my final question here on the JKR podcast for you. So we, I know we dug into it there at the beginning in terms of motivations, but you know, nowadays, you know, as a coach, you know, what is it that just motivates you to get up in the morning to go coach these guys at pro five and then in the summer coach you guys for Canes baseball, help those guys develop, you know, just what is it deep down internally to help you, you know, get better as a coach and a person. And then also, you know, develop these guys, get these kids better. Just what are some of those just internal motivations that you have? I just love being around the game, man. I honestly, I, I've always been a kid that loves baseball. Um, you know, I can remember just being like a, an eight year old, nine year old kid, you know, back when the Braves were on TBS, you know, Tuesday, Thursday, weekend series, and just watching, you know, Maddox and Smoltz and Glavin and how they went about their business and how they competed on the mound. And I want, I want to be able to, help kids get to that place to where they have such a love and a passion, you know, they have the love for the game, but I don't think they fully grasp the concept of the passion that it takes for your craft. And now that could be a pitcher or that can be a catcher, first baseman hitter. It doesn't matter, you know, to have that super hyper-focused passion for your craft and wanting to take every opportunity to soak in information, whether you're actually doing physical work on your craft or you're just watching somebody else do it. Um, and, you know, I think that's kind of where the game has devolved a little bit to where, you know, guys don't watch as much baseball anymore, you know, and, you know, it's all highlights on Twitter and Instagram and stuff like that. And they're just watching, you know, launch angles and exit velos on Twitter of, of pro guys. And it's a quick snap, but it's not they don't look to see further about what Trout is doing an hour, two hours before the game, his routine in the cage and how he gets to be able to do that. And so and it goes vice versa for pitchers as well and all the work that they put in and just understanding that it's a craft that you can be evolving and getting better at, not actually physically doing it. You know, there is plenty of stuff to learn and pick up without actually physically making movements. Okay, there we go. That's the final question here on the JKR podcast for you. You know, super appreciative of you giving you like an hour of your time or so. And we got a busy schedule heading to Hoover here. This weekend, I'm sure you guys are, you know, prepping for that. But just thanks for coming on the J-Care podcast. Best of luck, you know, as you guys head down south there. Best of luck the rest of this spring, you know, and this 2023 summer as well. As you're traveling around the country, going to see all these guys in that on your region in um, Fort Canes baseball. But like I said, you know, best, best of luck. And, you know, thanks for coming on the J-Care podcast. I appreciate you having me, Jace.